You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see everyone. How are we doing, by the way? Couple days until Christmas. Everyone's Christmas shopping's done. And, uh, <laughs> hey, man, we won't touch that one up. Before we get into a couple things, um, I do have some. It is the season for Christmas memes, so to help get us in the spirit, I have a couple for you guys uh, before we get into our sermon today. This one, take a look and see what's wrong with this nativity scene. <laughs> this one's for all the Star Wars fans in the room. You're welcome, Steve. This is for DC comic fans. Mariah Carey comes out of her slumber for two months of the year, starting in November. And she will, she will surprise you if you're not ready. <laughs> this, one's a, this next one's a dual one. has a couple things. These are some of your favorite Christmas characters if they were to have existential crisis with respect to their, uh, who they are. So you can see the first one, Santa doesn't even believe in himself. Uh, snowman, is he solid, is he liquid, who knows? And so on and so forth. Uh, the other one is your uh, Zoom Christmas uh, work parties that you've had the past couple years with a mistletoe. And last but not least, this is one of my personal favorites. This is a controversial one. I use that term lightly. Okay. I'm going to read this one. There are two types of people in the world. Those who think Die Hard is a Christmas movie and those who are wrong. Yeah. Christmas party. You know what I mean? There's a connection of love there somewhere towards the end. I mean, it's all about Christmas. And a couple other things as well. But if you want to fight me on this one, we can argue after service. That being said, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, to be able to celebrate this morning um, just all the songs about your son and even just to watch the video right before I came up, God. It, it's, it's such a blessing to be able to celebrate this time of season, Amen. to reflect on what you've done for us, bringing this, this baby uh, and, and just transforming the entire world through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Father God, as I'm able to just share your word this morning, uh, that you work powerfully, God, that I'm a vessel. That everything that you want said uh, through your Holy Spirit, that your truth resonates, that our hearts are ready. A lot of things we can feel during the holiday season, as has been expressed earlier, help us to shed all those things off this moment, to reflect deeply on your word and connect with you in a way that's truly pleasing to you. Thank you, God, so much for this time. Praise your son's name. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, since Die Hard is a largely overlooked Christmas movie, I think it's good to focus on, I'm trying to transition this one, right? A largely overlooked Christian, or I should say nativity story, which is about the Magi, right? So when we think of the nativity story, it's generally focused on Luke chapters 1 and 2. In Luke chapters 1 and 2, you're going to find... Uh, Mary speaking with the angel, Joseph thinking, okay, I have to quietly divorce this woman because she's pregnant, and then he has this, this moment with the angel as well. Um, they have to go from Nazareth, 80 miles down, to the, uh, Bethlehem, place of Judea, 
because, you know, there's this uh, census in the Roman world from Caesar Augustus saying that, hey, you know what, hey, everybody has to pay taxes, go register where you're from. They end up there, there's no room at the inn. Another way to look at that from a historical perspective, there's no room at the guest house, because it's a very hospitable people. There's no room anywhere. They have to stay with the animals. There's three shepherds there nearby. They, uh, they have this encounter, as we saw in the video, with this angel. Angel tells them to go worship. You're going to see this sign, right? You're going to see this baby lying in a manger, wrapped up. They go there, and then you have this classic nativity scene with Mary, Joseph, the child, the animals, and the three shepherds. What you do not find in that story in Luke chapter 1 and 2 is the story of the three, or how many, we don't know, wise men. So I want to focus this morning a little bit in a little bit of a different twist. We're going to look primarily in the book of Matthew chapter 2. Before I do that, I want to play a video. This is a good little video because we have a lot of myth, wars, and legend with respects uh, to the wise men. So hopefully this video, it's like a couple minutes, will help clear it up. What does the Bible say about the three wise men, or magi? In this video, I'll answer that question from a biblical perspective. And afterwards, I'll share some helpful resources, so stick around to the end. We assume that there were three wise men because of the three gifts that were given, gold, incense, and myrrh. However, the Bible does not say that there were only three wise men. There could have been many more. Tradition says that there were three, and that their names were Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. But since the Bible does not say, we have no way of knowing whether the tradition is accurate. It is a common misconception that the wise men visited Jesus at the stable on the night of his birth. In fact, the wise men came days, months, or possibly even years later. That is why Matthew chapter 2 verse 11 says the wise men visited and worshipped Jesus in a house, not at a stable. We know that the Magi were wise men from the east, most likely Persia or modern-day Iran. This means that the wise men traveled 800 to 900 miles to see the Christ child. Most likely, the Magi knew of the writings of the prophet Daniel, who in times past had been the chief of the court seers in Persia. Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 through 27 include a prophecy which gives a timeline for the birth of the Messiah. Also, the Magi may have been aware of the prophecy of Balaam, who was from the town of Pethor on the Euphrates River near Persia. In Numbers chapter 24 verse 17, Balaam's prophecy specifically mentions a star coming out of Jacob. The wise men were guided to look for the king of the Jews by miraculous stellar event, the star of Bethlehem, which they called his star in Matthew 2 verse 2. They came to Jerusalem and asked concerning the birth of Christ, and they were directed to Bethlehem. They followed God's guidance joyfully. When they arrived in Bethlehem, they gave costly gifts to Jesus and worshipped him. God warned them in a dream against returning to Herod, so in defiance of the king, they left Judah by another route. So, the Magi were men who, one, read and believed God's word. Two, sought Jesus. Three, recognized the worth of Christ. Four, humbled themselves to worship Jesus. And five, obeyed God rather than men. They were truly wise men. Hungry for more? Subscribe so you don't miss the next video. Visit gotquestions.org for more great content and check out the... All right. Let's ignore some of that promo stuff, right? What's one thing that stood out that you liked that you didn't know? What Mel was, uh, I should say, myth was dispelled from that video? Feel free to raise your hand in the very back. Uh, number of the wise men. Number of the wise men, right? 
Well, I always think there's three because there's three gifts, but there's actually, who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, most people's nativity scene is going to have the three wise men up there, and it could be 12. Last one. Yeah. So Christmas has been tricking us this whole time, apparently. <laughs> Any case, I think it's very important to see what the Bible says, yes? Amen. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 1. We're going to go through a couple verses, uh, roughly 12 in Matthew. Uh, we'll take a pit stop at some prophecies, and then we'll uh, get in a little bit more into the gifts of what the Magi gave Jesus. It says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Verse 3, I think, is a pretty fitting reaction from King Herod. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. So what do you mean you're talking about this king? I'm the king. I've been here. My dad was king. I'm king. You're talking about someone else that's in charge? Very interesting. Verse 4, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. This is Micah in chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. This is one of many prophecies, right? If you, you, know, if you look... And this is just not exhaustive, this obviously. There's, gosh, what, over 300 messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. There's a couple that you can see here that are, you know, pretty common. Uh, we touched a little bit, if you were at our regional service uh, last Sunday, which is pretty incredible. Um, Steve was preaching on just the Isaiah 7:14 and the virgin birth, and that we will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And you can see, again, this is only several of what a list could be as low as 300 some, uh, let's say, maybe liberal interpretations go up as far as like 500 and something. Prophecies in the Old Testament with respect to the Messiah. We're going to touch on one of those a little bit later in Isaiah 53, as you can see, touches on some of these there. Let's continue in Matthew chapter 2. It says in verse 7, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go worship him. Now, if King Herod was Pinocchio at this moment, you would see his nose just kind of go, Woo! Oh, I want to worship him as well. Yeah, I know. I don't have any negative thoughts about that. Clearly he does. Verse 9, it says, After they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star... They were overjoyed. This 800 to 900-mile trek has finally come to the destination. It says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. It's an amazing story. 
These magi, these wise men, however many they were uh, from Iran, from Persia, they were from a different faith, a different religion, Zoroastrianism, which as you can guess would focus primarily on the stars. And so because of their focus on the stars and, and their kind of renowned, if you will, internationally with astrology, they figured there was some kind of movement in the heavens. And they pursued it. They pursued it 800, 900 miles because they believed that this king was coming. And when they saw this king, they bowed down and they worshipped him. They gave a couple gifts, right? Meaning of the gifts, right? It's kind of, I think gold is pretty straightforward. Frankincense emerges a little bit of scholarly debate. But for the most part, I think we're in agreement. Gold is valuable, obviously, and a symbol of a kingship, a lord, someone that's come to rule, if you will. Frankincense is an is a aromatic resin. Resin is kind of like a sap, right? It's used in incense and perfumes. It symbolizes his deity. Myrrh, it's a gum resin. It's commonly used as an anointing slash embalming oil. So it's used in embalming, which is synonymous with death. It's interesting, right? Right at the birth, especially from the Christian perspective, from Messianic perspective, they're thinking ahead of what's to come. At least we are. Practical meaning of the gifts. This is, this is good for us, right? Okay, what does it mean? The Magi gave gold. It symbolizes his king. But what does that do for us practically and personally? You know, we live in a, a gosh, if you ever go on the internet much and you can find all the Christmas memes, there's about, I don't know, 5,000 that just focus on sweet baby Jesus. And they just focus on the baby that is Jesus. And I can only go so far deep because it gets pretty blasphemous. So I'm just like, Ugh, you know, I can only take so much sacrilege. But the important thing about this notion for us is that he is a king. The king of our holiday seasons. A lot that goes on in our minds and hearts emotionally. We think about lost ones uh, that we love so much. We think about the family strife and drama. We're about to go into this house. We're like, okay, we've got to pray real quick before I walk in. And hi, everybody. Good to see you. You know, there's a lot that goes on during the holiday seasons. Our emotions can take us for a tailspin. Sometimes we just want to kick back and do nothing and relax. In the process, we can check out spiritually as well. It's good to remember that during the holiday season and for the rest of our lives that Christ Jesus is king. Amen. When we live in a society that generally doesn't venerate anything except itself or, you know, some kind of material possession, the truth is that we're all geared to worship, but then we end up worshiping something else. And this ties into the second point with the uh, frankincense. You know, the, this, it's frankincense, it, it's, uh, it's experiential. It's an incense. You can smell it. You can kind of feel it. You can see it. it and incense is synonymous in, in Revelation 5 and 8 with our prayer times with God. These incense bowls, if you will, that would be the sweet smell and aroma while God sits on his throne. They bowed down. The Magi bowed down and worshipped him. During this holiday season, when we want to disconnect and unplug, my prayer is that we don't simply just veg, but that we get the much-needed time with God to simply bow down and worship Him in all His glory. You can think of all the things that God has done in your life. Oh, there are many. And all the ones that we can't even record or consider because we don't even know what happened. All those bailout moments where angels were saving us, we are going on one path, and He took us the other. We have no idea what God did, but He did it. 
We praise God during this time. Where do you go? Where's your sweet spot for worship? For me, it's the beach. A lot of times, you have a seal beach. Now that I'm 15 minutes from over here, you know, I've got Redondo. I'm going there. Those times where you can just connect with God in such a way that your heart feels full. Our challenge this holiday season, as we unplug, as we get all these times, is to take these moments, these precious moments, just as the Magi did, to worship God. Taking time to connect. We'll touch on myrrh in a second because it, it, it's synonymous with the death, so I think we'll go into that more as we delve into communion. But I was able to see something. Uh, a couple of you guys were there at Miguel and Anna's wedding on Friday. Some good times, yes. A lot of dancing that happened. Mine wasn't recorded, so amen for that. Um, <laughs> I heard that one, Steve. Um, I want to play this video because it's really cool what they did. Um, Miguel and Anna, they, they gave gifts to each other for their wedding. A little bit of the backdrop, and obviously this isn't synonymous in the sense of worship, but what it does, I feel like it captures the heart that the Magi would have had towards Jesus. If you're going to go 800 miles to worship this, this person, there's going to be a sincere, heartfelt, you know I mean? This is, this is fully engaged. Dare I say love. And I think what we can see in this video right here, as they gave uh, two gifts to each other, one is a little more of a performance, the other one's an actual, uh, the backdrop for it is... I'm going to share is that her dad passed a, a couple years prior. And so as you hear her song that she's about to sing to her husband, listen to the words. Um, as the gift that he presents to her, it's, it's very much uh, touching in that same vein. So I want you guys to see this gifts that were given on the wedding day. second one is what Miguel gave to Anna, and I didn't know this, but he's actually a little bit of an artist. So you can see as he turns uh, this, you know, kind of a portrait, if you will, it's going to have a, a large hand and a small hand, symbolizing father and daughter. It's going to have a, a big shoe and a small shoe, symbolizing father and daughter, so I'll play that next. Remember, I am always with you, every step of the way. So, you guys all this? <laughs> Very touching. The words that he put on there were what he thought her father would have said to her on a wedding day. It's pretty beautiful. And I, I think you can kind of get the idea. You can see the vein in which the Magi would give to their king. Something along those lines. During this holiday season, what are some areas where Jesus needs to be king of your life? Think about that for a moment. And maybe it can go past the holiday season, just in general. If he is 
meant to be worshipped. If the thought is every single person that had a, a time with God in the Bible, they just they immediately dropped down like dead men, fell prostrate, and worshipped. If that's the nature of the God we serve, then does his authority also reign in our lives? It's easy to say the words, but do our actions, do our hearts exemplify the fact that there is a king in heaven? Number two, how will you make time to worship God this holiday season? Think practically, because you know what happens if you don't make a plan, right? You'll just kind of float like driftwood, and nothing will happen. Be strategic. What are some times that you can get away and go connect? I love to sing, even though I only have like one octave. I, I, I enjoy it thoroughly. You wouldn't know it. I, if you, my expressions are like opera status, but you know, the, the actual vocal cords just don't work. But the connection, the connection with God, what does it for you this holiday season? Going into communion, focusing on the myrrh, the death. I want to read Isaiah 53. Now, for many of us here, if you ever did any type of in-depth study about the Messiah or the cross, you can't help but go through Isaiah 53, right? The, the language there, the imagery there, I mean, it's 700 years plus. You know, Micah and Isaiah were contemporary, so these prophecies are 700 years prior to anything happening related to Jesus' death. So that alone is an extremely encouraging thought that all these prophecies that God has done is to encourage us that we can have this belief in his word that transcends generations. There's a 400-year gap plus year gap between the Old and New Testament that the prophecies made all before that time applied to the new. God is working to help us to believe. In Isaiah 53... I'm going to read a couple of these verses. And I want you to pretend like it's the first time. If you've been in church for a long time, see it as through new eyes. Make sure I get there. It says in verse 3, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. The transgressions of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death. It's a Joseph, Joseph Arabathea reference, if you're wondering. Though he had done no violence nor any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering of sin, 
He will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Last part of verse 12. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great. And he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death. And was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Of all the prophecies that you can look at in this previous slide and all the 300 plus other ones, for us personally, this is, whew, this is a deep one. This passage, this prophecy means our salvation. As we celebrate this holiday season, as we look at the, the baby Jesus and the nativity scene, and we worship the fact that God has come down with us, we can also fast forward from that point roughly 33 years and look at his death and look at the fact and resonate in our hearts that sins can be forgiven through the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. Let's pray for communion. Father God, we thank you that you love us the way that you do. You send your son down to earth and I, man, I can only imagine being worshipped in your throne room 24-7 with angels that are dedicated to you. He left all that to be with us with the absolute foreknowledge of what was ahead. All the pain and suffering that that was going to come with, it wasn't a whole lot of glory. When you look at it on paper, it, it was rather inglorious, it was rather messy, and extremely difficult. Yet he did it for us. During this holiday season, God, help us to reflect, just as the Magi did, God, to, to seek you out, to search for you, God. Although their, their faith was different, they still found your truth, and they worshiped the Messiah, King Jesus. Help us, God, to seek you during this time, whether our trek is great or small. Allow our hearts to connect with you, our King. We thank you for the sacrifice that he made so that we can have a relationship with you. We love you, God. We pray this in your son's most holy and perfect name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.